Episode 13 with Jared Hogan and Christian Schultz. <laughs> Wait, was that the intro? I was hoping so. Uh. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is good. Solomon, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate this. You're here. You made it. Um, <laughs> Finally. <laughs> you're in New York. I'm in Charlotte. Christian's uh, freshly back from Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, buddy. A fresh tan and fresh <laughs> freckles. fresh tan. Fresh tan of whiteness. <laughs> Sal, tell us where you are right now. Um, I am in, I know it sounds very echoey, that's not an effect, uh, literally just moved into a new studio space, uh, or not studio space, but it's an office that I'm sharing with a bunch of mates, um, just as a way of getting stuff done. Um, so it's kind of the first day in, it's bare and nothing's in here, but it feels nice because <laughs> we can kind of see the potential of where this place could go. So it's just, yeah. it's just cool to kind of move in with friends. So let's just, let's just catch up real quick, man. Where have you been? What's the last thing that you've been, what's the last thing that you did recently? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last year I was full time um, with variable and uh, this year I kind of just wanted to be able to um, dictate uh, projects a little bit more and just dictate, um, not dictate, but really have the freedom to spend time with my family and um, I kind of just need a f more flexi arrangement. Um, so I'm still with variable, um, but the arrangement um, isn't full time. Um, so still collaborate with them. And the last couple of projects I've done uh, has been with variable. Um, with variable, it's kind of weird. Someone, I was chatting to someone today. It's kind of like a um, Russian, uh, those Russian dolls kind of arrangement. I'm with variable, but variable is with gang um, in Europe. So a lot of the, the, the work that I've been doing um, outside of the US has been with variable, but then variable sits within another production company um, locally in those uh, regions. So um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting arrangement. Yeah. But it's cool. It works. Um, okay. So let's back up a little bit. <clears throat> Tell me, I mean, I know this, but for people maybe who aren't familiar with your story uh where did it, where did this all start for you um started um end of 2009 beginning 2010 um i studied audio engineering um i think from 2006 to 2009 um uh, got a degree in, in recording arts um and then started working uh for a church um as an intern Actually, no, I uh, started working for the church uh, based on this kind of uh, my interest in music and sound design and I was doing their live sound and everything and right. slowly I kind of got a little bit bored with that in that my schedule wasn't filled with just sound things to do. I kind of had a lot of gaps. Um, so I went into motion graphics actually initially just um, I was just looking at how to do certain things with type and things um, and then my 
wife, girlfriend at the time, Les, um, said, why don't you start like, getting people into the frames because it can be, like motion graphics can be quite cold. Um, and so I said, okay, let's do that. So I bought a camera. So it's her fault. It's her fault. Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah, she kind of did inspire it because she initially inspired me to kind of pick up a camera because she was so into photography and I was seeing what she was yeah. doing and just really got inspired by her. Um, and then um, it kind of slowly morphed into filmography. I borrowed money um, just before my wedding. <laughs> so I had like a <laughs> ring to buy and I had a camera to buy. Um, I bought the camera first um, <laughs> and, then, and then bought the ring. Um, but then started just uh, shooting some stuff. I literally just put some, like I was doing music at the time, obviously as well. And I would take music that I had recorded, some like scorey type things, put headphones on and just kind of take a train throughout the city. And I would kind of shoot out of the train and had ideas kind of come to me like that. Um, Cause at the time uh, when the DSLRs came out, everyone was doing camera tests and I got kind of annoyed by that because I wanted to do something that said something. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's kind of what happened is I was able to kind of tie, even though it was like super abstract and whatnot. Um, I tried to kind of take some of maybe the test type footage, but actually try and say something through it. And things just kind of evolved from there. I started putting stuff online on Vimeo and I guess slowly but surely started um, integrating with the community, the Vimeo community and started making kind of connections, professional connections or connections at that point, which um, was just kind of friendship connections. But now, you know, Dan, uh, one of my good friends that I've done a lot of work with since um, we were just Vimeo pals at that point. Um, and now we're kind of moving into the same office, you know, a couple of years later. Um, and so things really kind of started once I started put on, putting stuff online. And I think it was kind of at the, exp at the point where Vimeo and online sharing was kind of exploding. Yeah. Um, um, and I just, you know, put the, put my work up. That's <laughs> Jared. That's when I met you for the first time, obviously. Yeah. And things just kind of go from there, you know? Yeah. Sal, will you, will you tell us where you were working when you met your wife? I, I was working at a nightclub. <laughs> um, and I'm, <laughs> contextually, I'm just really not a nightclub-y type person, but I was working, I was working at the door, um, kind of letting people through, stamping people in. You were a bouncer. Not a bouncer. I had two bouncers next to me. I was kind of a pimp, I guess. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> Is this also while you were working at the church? Exactly. It was like what I was doing at nights. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, I met her uh, at a nightclub. She was actually visiting. She was in South Africa. Uh, well, she's from South Africa, but visited Dubai. And on that first visit, um, they came to the club together. And it's kind of the first time I met her. How long ago was that? That was end of 2008, beginning 2009. Dang. So, yeah, just kind of just before the whole film thing, I guess, started. Okay. So you're in uh, Dubai and then from Dubai? From Dubai, from Dubai, again, through another uh, Vimeo connection. Uh, there's this guy, Paul Neverson, who's worked. I admired for a long time. He was working um, in uh, Sydney, Australia for um, a church called Hillsong. Um, and I just really loved what they were doing. Um, 
I had in my mind uh, the end of 2009, um, beginning 2010, I had already thought, okay, my season in Dubai is coming to an end. I kind of really want to move to someplace where kind of art is valued. Um, and that wasn't the case in, in Dubai or the Middle East, really. Um, and so I thought, oh, I'm kind of keen to move to either um, Paris, um, New York or Cape Town. And um, there was an opportunity to move to Cape Town, but I, I, didn't, I didn't feel right about it. Um, and then weirdly enough, uh, this guy, Paul Neverson, reached out to me online and said, listen, um, me and uh, mate um, is coming through the UAE on our way to Israel to go and shoot something for, um, for Hillsong. Would you, um, would you be keen to meet up? And I said, of course, we'd love to meet up. Um, but then their Dubai leg fell through and they were going to go straight to, um, to Israel. And they, they emailed back and said, hey, listen, we're not coming through Dubai anymore, but we're going straight to Israel. Would you be keen to join us on this trip? And I was super excited to, to do it. Um, just had to kind of clear my schedule with work, um, but then ended up doing it and just had a really good kind of working relationship and a really good shorthand. And I think aesthetically, um, uh, we kind of understood where each other was at and there was mutual yeah. respect. Um, and then they said, would you be keen to move over? And I said, um, I kind of spoke to um, the leadership uh, where I was at and it kind of felt right all around. Yeah. And we did it. Um, so we spent three years in Sydney and it was an amazing, amazing season of our lives. Um, I made some amazing friends that we kind of still, um, you know, still have those kind of valuable friendships, even even here in New York. Um, yeah. Because a lot of them have moved over here, actually. And now Paul is sitting on a beach somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. With his, with his wife and kids. Exactly. We've all kind of gone a little bit more of the freelance route, but still weirdly kind of connected to it all, yeah. uh, which is great because I think that's, that's kind of the best way, <laughs> you know, yeah. is to have relationships intact. I have a question, um, kind of looking back at the things that you were making in Dubai and then maybe even starting in Sydney. Um, what do you think were the things that you were like setting into place or like the way, the mindset that you were trying to have for you to like, be successful down the road? But to be honest, I I don't think I ever had a real kind of intentionality about it um, in terms of um, trying to figure out a formula of type of work that connects. Um, I was more just trying to align myself with people who have very similar t kind of tastes and vision um, and trying to build relationships. Um, I think relationships are key more so than kind of having the... Uh, trying to figure out a formula for for work that is relevant or that sells. I think some people do it um, and they have great success with it. But um, I think for me, um, the, the the relational aspect has been more important. So um, the the work aspect has always been kind of a byproduct and has been always it's it's always kind of just came out of the season that I was at. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I don't think I was super intentional about it. It kind of, it kind of bugs me uh, when I hear people trying to come up with a formula of like, mm. oh, if I do this, or when people talk about this project's going to kind of unlock their careers. Um, mm. I, I, 
I get a little bit irritated by it because I've had people say that to me, like, oh, dude, this project is just going to unlock your career. And I'm like, well, yeah. actually, um, I don't need a career <laughs> unlocked. I kind of feel really good where I'm at. You're kind of talking to me as if, um, <laughs> as if there's some stepping stone that I need to kind of climb over before I'm going to be really happy with what I'm doing. I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. And I know I'm learning and I know it's like not perfect. And I like I definitely know things are not perfect, but at the same time, I'm I'm just trying to enjoy the journey, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that sounds overly simplified because yes, there's moments where things are tough, but um, I just don't believe in the idea of making it. You know, I think if you can do good work and you're happy and you're doing it with good people, like that's the winning, that's the winning formula. You know. What do you What do you feel like you're uh, looking to right now, or like? Maybe striving is it is a difficult word, but what do you think you're trying to get to? I mean, to be honest, I think um, I think for me it's been steps. Like I think the next thing that I want to do is this short that I want to do, <laughs> um, and it's kind of difficult because of all the um, kind of commercial demands right now um, that I have in front of me. Um, uh, but that's like the next thing that I've that I'm really trying to work on and. Um, I'm also developing a feature, but I, I also don't want to be premature with feature work. I feel like I, there's so much learning that I need to do um, in, in trying yeah. to understand narrative better and trying to understand people and stories um, better um, that I'm not really keen to jump the gun because I want to make sure that I'm prepared um, from... I think, I think what's happening with me now is I'm, the things that I'm learning in the commercial space is how to work with big teams. Um, mm. and how, how to communicate um, vision. The things that are not happening and the, the things that I need to make more space for um, and the reason why I might need to decline some commercial work is so that I have space in my calendar to develop a storytelling muscle because mm -hmm. I get the team building things and the, and the um, kind of the communicating of a vision, those aspects I get from working on commercials, but I don't really get to kind of... Um, kind of push myself in the, the storytelling, um, long narrative character development phases. So that means at some point I really need to kind of decline commercial jobs so that I can learn how to do that. And again, I just want to enjoy the process of that. Right now, for me, the next step is to do a, a short film. And then after that, I want to do a feature and developing a feature and I want to be strategic with the short film, have it ready um, you know, so that when it's done, if people, you know, if, cause it's happened before where people have asked, well, do you have ideas for features? And, you know, I didn't, <laughs> um, yeah. and next time I want to be ready, you know, um, cause I also don't like going back to these people now and go, oh, well, I do have a, sh a feature idea now. And it becomes a desperate call. You know, I, uh, I want to, I want to just kind of be strategic with, with, with the work. And again, that's not, um, that's not trying to look at a formula for the type of work um, that's, you know, going to be kind of um, popular or that's going to sell. But I think it is important to, um, to, to think about the things you do want to do um, and just kind of build towards that. And, and, I, and here's the thing. I think I'm going to do it. It's, it's not a question of um, if someone's going to allow me to do it or not or if someone's going to kind of see the potential or not and kind of give me the, the keys to my future. Um, I hold the keys <laughs> to my future, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Dude, so tell me 
thinking, even learning about the stuff that you're learning about now, as even from just a home life side of things, like, do you see a future in which like that becomes, um, easier, easier or like <laughs> make like, cause getting into a feature is like kind of a big, yeah. a bigger ordeal. Maybe, I mean, the commercials that you're probably working on now, even maybe some of them have, you know, um, budgets on like the low side of some feature films, you know what I mean? Definitely. So yeah. I think like, so like the team's not getting any smaller or like the, the challenges aren't getting any smaller, but do you see the, the time aspect or like, I guess just give me your thoughts on like why, like how is, how do you feel like you're differing from that? Like, I think, I think sustainability, that's for me, like, the big thing is how do you make this career choice sustainable? Um, yeah. And I think um, what I see in the conversations I have is that commercial directors have a career of five years. Um, maybe good ones have a career of seven years. Just new school commercial directors don't have a long, super long career. Older, oh, what do you, older do they go somewhere? Where do they go? They make a huge ton of money. Um, and then... Um, they um, they get to live off that for a bit and they get to work less often. Um, and then they kind of need to go into some other form of directing. I'm talking strictly kind of commercial, high budget. Yeah, um, right. You know, the good ones stay a while. You know, the um, Jonas Ackerlands or Lance Accord, they, you know, they have long careers. Um, but I think... I think generally um, a lot of commercial directors maybe don't have those long careers. And I think for me, it's like, I just, I, I, I kind of see that I want to build a good kind of commercial career, but at the same time, it's really important for me to build um, again, the storytelling muscle and yeah. the narrative aspect. And, you know, I, 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 I think, it's not easy, you know. I think narrative's super hard, and I think for me, it's I, 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 it's not I struggle with it, but I have to learn, you know. I think there's some, there's, yeah. there's, there's a, there's a craft to it. There's a study of it that helps, um, and so I, I don't want to be five years down the road feel like oh I've kind of reached my peak, um, in in a commercial career, and I've got nothing else beyond that, you know. I can't. I want to. I just want to work till I'm old doing this, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so coming back to that sustainability aspect is I don't want to work so hard that I'm burnt out that I feel like my, um, the jadedness starts to kick in. Yeah. Um, and, um, just that I, I know a lot of young directors that are burnt out, you know, friends of mine have worked in the industry for three years, have to take a year off because, um, they can't push hard anymore. They're just completely right. burnt out. Relationships have kind of gone to, to pieces. Um, and I, I just don't want to be down there in kind of yeah. three to five years. So for me, I want to do two commercial projects and then I'm going to go to a passion project and I want right, a lot right. of time in between that, um, to just focus on family, you know? And so, yeah, a lot of directors are insanely rich, um, and I, I don't want to sound pious or self-righteous or um, self-deprecating, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to be super rich. I just want to keep doing good work, you know. Right. Um, so, 
uh, I'm fortunate enough that um, I've at least had this like last year where um, I had uh, music be able to be a buffer for me financially, um, music royalties. Um, but I think that will probably change unless I kind of do more music, um, which I'm keen to do. Um, but I think for this kind of this next season, I think <laughs> I'll be doing a lot more, yeah. a lot less potentially commercial directing, a lot more of kind of personal work, um, just so I can kind of keep a sustainable energy. Um, right. And then also music, because that will help me, that'll kind of just be a good financial buffer. Um, and it's also for me, the thing with music is, it's immediate catharsis, you know. Um, right. I can sit here and create something in a span of 12 hours and there's a product um, uh, that I can be happy with. And it's like immediate release of creativity that I enjoy, um, which I haven't given myself over the last 12 months. And I feel like I'm kind of craving it a lot again. Right. Dude, Sal, it's really interesting. I was hanging out with uh, Khalid two weeks ago in New York. I had like two night or a night before I left for Abu Dhabi. So I went over to his house with Dan Stewart. And he said something very similar because we started talking about this and he said some quote, I'm sure he didn't make it up, but he said, um, you can only kill it for so many people before you kill yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I was like, man, <laughs> that's like so true because I mean that you get stuck in that idea that like, I need to kill every single thing that I'm going into and it needs to be like the career defining job that I'm, you know. Yeah. This is it. Like, especially if you get a good opportunity, Yeah, you know, like this might, this could be the one, you know, where it like, it like flings my career into the universe. It could and be like, the one, man. That's the language right. that I hate. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah. But I, is, is there not ever like, well, can you honestly say that there hasn't been a job that's just like set something into motion? I can't say that. I honestly can't say that. I, you know, that's amazing. I, I think, <laughs> I think, I, and maybe it's just unique, maybe to my journey. Maybe there are other people that have had that one job that just kind of spun them into stardom, you know. Um, but for me, I think it's just been a gradual evolution. Like, I think if I look at my stuff today, it's so different from the stuff I did before. And some things that I do now, um, you know, uh, sometimes has as much traction as they did when I first started, you know? So there, you know, there was a project that I did um, called Silent Transitions. It's like nothing that I would do <laughs> today anymore, but maybe that had some sort of effect, but I can't say that that, that particular project um, changed my world. And all of a sudden I was this like somebody, it, it didn't happen that way. It was just, a slow building of the work and the slow, slow evolution of the work. Um, it's not, it's not been this like one key job that has unlocked everything else, you know? Um, so, and I think the, the exciting thing is um, people kind of only hire you for what you prove yourself you can do, you know? So I still feel like there's so much kind of scope for me to, um, you know, I want to explore sport in the commercial space next, you know, and so, um, uh, uh, and then maybe, you know, I'll see more sports, more sports jobs, you know, um, but I think it's, I don't know, for me, it's way more of a gradual kind of journey than like, boom, wow, 
now the world's kind of my oyster. It's funny, man. Like, um, when was it? Two, three months ago, all of a sudden, commercial reps started reaching out. What did I put out two, three months ago? Absolutely nothing. 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 I had not put anything. It was, I put out Audi, but that was six months ago. Uh, it was actually two months ago. When, like, honestly, in the span of a week, some of my favorite commercial reps kind of, and I was like, oh my God, how's this happening? Like, this is yeah. so weird. This is so random. Um, and I think it's just, it just doesn't happen that like big bang, um, you know, your big break kind of way. At least not for me. You know, maybe it's happened for other people. But I also think that sets people up maybe for, not for failure, but for disappointment. Um, hmm. Because they hold a certain piece with such high regard um, that it's just going to unlock, um, you know, the future and uh, amazing opportunities for them. Um, and it becomes more about like what this thing is going to do than the actual thing itself. Like what's this thing saying? So I just think that's maybe the danger, you know? Yeah. Solomon, how much would you say you're to blame for a lot of really bad church videos of people trying to copy you? <laughs> Man, if I'm to blame, you're to blame as well, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Christian. Me? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What are you I, talking about? I think I've seen uh, a good, like, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 versions of silent transitions. <laughs> yeah. And did I, did I ever tell you about the time that I, um, I think I may have sent it to you. I saw, I like, um, there's somebody who is selling church videos and they seriously ripped <laughs> that video from, from your Vimeo channel and so, and what they were selling it themselves. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Does that seem like a different, like, cha like total chapter in your life? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sound ungrateful, um, but I think, I, I don't know, I think that's the danger, man. I think, uh, you know, especially kind of within the faith or the church community, it's people only look to what is churchy and what's Christian. You know, when I, there was a part of me that just didn't want to associate with that anymore because I think, I think maybe some of the things that I wanted to say wasn't necessarily outside of that, but I think it was... I just didn't want to be a part of, um, man, this, sorry, this, this is kind of a, a vulnerable spot, but I didn't want to be a part of um, uh, 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 potentially like incestuous um, yeah. uh, arrangement where, you know, a lot of people are borrowing stuff from each other and it's, it's, it's really not that great. You know, I think there's so much um, outside of the, the paradigm of church that's so valuable and that's so important. And, and it's not even church, man. It's, it's, um, it's Bible Belt, Middle American Christianity that, um, that seems to um, replicate um, the best version, or not the best version, but the most, the, the kind of the regarded stuff, the stuff that Hillsong puts out and the stuff that Elevation puts out and the stuff that big churches puts out, everything down from that, um, yeah. all the churches down from that kind of copy it, you know, and I just, I, I don't know, I just think it's quite unhealthy and it just speaks to maybe the level of, I don't even know if it's creativity because I don't, yeah, maybe it's level of creativity is just not that great, but I also think it's the stronghold that maybe leadership is putting on on, on churches, just maybe that's the best that some of their creatives can get. And to me, that's quite sad. And I just didn't want to be a part of perpetuating that anymore. I just couldn't see 
bad versions of things that I had, like uh, uh, something that I had done, uh, the, the bad mirror of that. I just couldn't look at that stuff anymore. And it became, uh, I kind of started running away from it, you know, um, yeah. because I just, I mean, you tell me, you know, maybe that's happened for you as well. I just couldn't deal with it anymore. You know, I kind of wanted to, I just, I, there's a part of me that just kind of wanted to do things in obscurity again and, and almost have people not care about it or people almost be offended by it because it's shifting their paradigm. Not not to create things that are offensive, but just to create things that were truthful um, and that, that, um, that made people feel uneasy for the right reasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I feel like that's kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of what I'm chasing after, but I guess still within the same context. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think it can be done, you know. I think, I think, like I was saying, I think, I, th I think Elevation Hillsong, there's a couple of other churches that are paving the way for sure, you know. Um, I think also just aside from that, I was just in a different personal chapter of my life. Well, you know? like, yeah, transitioning from that world to where you are now, um, you're kind of describing like what you didn't want to feel like. Do you feel like um, now you've arrived somewhere that feels more healthy for you personally? I think so. But I also think I'm still in transition to the place where I feel like, you know, maybe I've feel more healthy. I think this last year has been this, it's been slightly unsettling getting used to the industry. You know, I think here's, here's the thing. Um, and Jared, you, I'm sure you'd understand this. Um, you know, because kind of the Christian community is relatively small, it's easy, it's easy to become a somebody. Um, yeah. it's easy to become, oh, wow. Like we, I really love your work. And there was a part of me that really wanted to become a nobody again, um, that I can, that I can create something and, and almost this like no expectation again, you know, like I kind of yeah. needed a clean slate again, you know, yeah. and that definitely happened um, within the commercial industry, almost to the point where I was a little bit uncomfortable with it because nobody really knew me again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, and that's the part of it that was super healthy because again, I, you, you have to prove yourself. Like yeah. you have to prove yourself by the work that you do. You have to prove yourself with your attitude. You have to prove yourself with your work ethic. Yeah. Um, and so that was something that I was really excited about. Um, and, and, you know, it was challenging, no doubt, but it was a really exciting challenge. Um, the fact that I could, um, uh, that I could kind of come into a situation where, um, you know, when you're part of the church uh, or maybe any organization, you build up currency. You do one good piece of work and you build up currency and things become yeah. easier. You don't have to, things doesn't, they don't get vetted as much. Maybe they yeah. do, but you just, you know, people go, oh, what's your idea? Okay, cool. You know, it's, it's yeah. a little bit more like that. Um, and I was keen for uh, a setup where I have to prove myself again, where I didn't have that currency and I had to build up that currency and, um, and do it in a more hostile environment. You know, a Christian environment is hostile maybe in, or a religious environment can be hostile in other ways. Um, um, but from a, like purely a dissecting the creative, it's going to be hostile in the commercial industry yeah. because people just want to, have in incredible work, you know, so I was just yeah. keen to kind of go through that experience and yeah. I knew it was going to be tough and it was, um, 
but I just I think it's easy to be sheltered you know and we we both come well all three of us come from that background and I think it's easy to be sheltered and as long as we can find ways to um to challenge ourselves and have I'm I'm the last one standing I guess huh (laughs) no there's 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 still a good couple of us oh well I will say like the thing I think the at least creative people in the church as you know can be like pretty cynical like really really fast Mm. about just a lot of things but I will say I probably take more from my church experience mm-hmm. into the commercial stuff than anything else mm, totally um even what? from just the side of just like working at a church you learn how to make decisions very very fast yeah. and you learn how to like turn around creative things like incredibly fast yeah and like are those the greatest things in the world no but like you're you're working those muscles as far as like I need to like communicate to a bunch of people really quickly why this is going to work. Yeah. And it's the same it, as, as like far apart as they may seem, it's the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, essentially. Yeah, totally. Um, there's not much difference. Yeah, totally. No, I think, I mean, I think I, th- for me, the three years that I spent um, working for Hillsong was honestly the best three years of learning, like going from, Going from Dubai, where um, you know I was in a kind of really small, and Dubai in generally isn't a very creative environment, and going to Sydney, where everyone is super creative, you know, um, yeah, and that just challenged me, and it challenged me to like think on a bigger level. The stuff we were doing um, for church was just huge, you know. It was um, massive arenas, and the scale of things were unbelievable, and. Also working with a group of people that were so incredibly gifted and skilled, like they all <laughs> are like at an international level, um, ha- helped me raise my, my, my craft and um, my work ethic like, like that. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so certainly like an unbelievably valuable experience. Um, you know, you know when your time is up and you need to move on to something else and you know, we're still a part of the church here in New York. Um, like I said, all our friends are here. Um, but just from a vocational step, I needed to yeah. kind of transition into commercial. And then eventually what I wanted to do was features, you know. And I still have conversations with Ben <laughs> at, yeah. at, uh, at, um, at Hillsong and Paul at Hillsong and talking about their kind of the, the features that they're working on. So it's, you know, it's never goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, why do you think, and Christian, I'd love to hear your take on this too. It's so funny to like, even to sit here and hear your story. And, you know, we do these interviews every week, hearing people's stories. It's so weird to like, uh, take that in and not like want to copy and paste that like on your own life. You know what I mean? Like you hear like Jen's story or, uh, Kate's story or your story. And it's so like, it's just like a weird thing to like, not feel like you're doing it wrong hmm. you know what i mean yeah i mean isn't like do you I, guys feel that yeah i mean i it's feel easy. that way about my own life yeah it's easy to look at other people and go like <laughs> what should i have done differently um or if i just kind of copy what they're doing then i would maybe unlock you know my future sooner or like the, yeah the and i don't even future. mean like you know you guys would be, inc- but like, even when you listen to like, 
you know, like an interview with like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson or something. And yeah. it's like he was 23 directing Heart 8. And it's like, damn, like, yeah. how do you not project it on yourself and be like, I am behind, I'm what failing? What you're trying to figure out is like what, what usually comes out of it is like what I put my like aspirations into is like the people that I choose to like want the desire to pay some to my own life, you know? Cause like some people could look at, some people could look at Sal and be like, man, like I wish I lived in New York. I wish I lived in Brooklyn and like got to work with my friends all the time and like made the best stuff in the world. Yeah. That's something that like somebody would just look at and just be like, Sal, you know, he's exactly. like, exactly. he's the person that I think I want to be like, but it's, it's a trap. It's just, it's, it's a, a trap. Trap, trap you know? It is because it's, it's, never enough right right once you get there you'll you'll just want somebody else exactly you know you'll pay somebody else because we go we look at we look at yeah fincher or um right you know paul thomas anderson and we go we want our lives to look like that but people people you know maybe um not so far along in the journey are looking at us and wanting their lives to look like ours and it's just always always you know the next thing and and um and I think there's a way to have that kind of healthy outlook um, where you're like, oh, man, that would be good one day. But I think, oh, man. The people that I get really jealous about, just to kind of even it, like the people who <laughs> somehow have like figured out that they don't want to be like anybody else in the film industry. They exactly. want to figure out how to be themselves in the in the film industry. You know, people like, what you know, Wes Anderson and. Uh, I think Paul Thomas Anderson is a great example of that. But, like, people who know their voice and, like, want to figure out more so, like, how to – less uh, less about getting into the film industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. More about, like, how do I – how do I fit into the film industry? Exactly. I don't know I don't know if you can get so, so self-aware that easily. No, but – I don't I, know if it comes like that. And I do think – I mean, I do think the thing that you mentioned is I think what – what is important is the my place and not my time. Like, because it's very easy to look at people's like time. Yeah. Like, oh, they did mm, this. Yeah, at, yeah, yeah. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson first film at twenty three, and um, right. Damien Chazelle Whiplash at twenty nine. Yeah. Right. Like, what the hell am I doing <laughs> with my life? You know. And um, but there are other people that break in much later, and they they also have a distinctive voice. And I'm like, I don't want to go in premature. Like that's. That's the last thing I want. I don't want to go in and wreck um, your reputation because the truth is, you kind of really only get one shot, you know. And so, and uh, that sounds kind of almost. Are you putting too much pressure on yourself now, too? Well, well, I, I just think you just need to do it. Try and like do something that you believe in. I think ultimately, like, yeah. don't rush in to prove something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Don't rush in to just kind of make a name for yourself. Do something because you believe in it. You know, and whatever time that takes um, to develop, it's easy. It is easy, man. It's easy for me to look at like people that are just like charging. Like a lot of uh, directors here in New York are talking about like their first features and like getting signed with um, WME and getting something with Warner Brothers and I'm like oh my goodness what am I doing <laughs> with my life and it, especially in New York man you go to like a, a company party this company party and like everyone of like our generation of filmmakers go there and if you don't have a job lined up that is just like awesome you get <laughs> so depressed and then, but it's 
It's really dangerous. As you should. You should get You depressed. should get depressed because <laughs> in our capitalism culture, right. you should be the best. You should aspire <laughs> to be the best that you can be. Uh, you know, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it, you know, uh, let's, have, let's have the holistic conversations. And I'm thankful for some friends that, that have the holistic conversations about, you know, What's, what's the latest project you do? Like, what, what dreams do you have for, for your work? But what dreams do you have for your family? Like, how are you looking yeah. after your family? My best friends, you know, director friends can call me out on that stuff, you know, if I'm not looking after my family. And um, I do find those are the richer um, yeah. relationships yeah. And, and ultimately kind of provide the better bedrock for the type of work I want to do, you know. I think right. my work in Dubai had a very kind of, I guess if I'm honest, I, you know, almost like, uh, like a philosophical, but, um, maybe not as, um, emotionally kind of grounded and connected with people. And I think the, my challenge over the last while, just with friends and people that I've met is to try and find the humanity, you know, um, uh, in, in the work and in, in people. And I think, you know, it's people like you guys and, and Elliot and some other friends who, are inspiring me to it's almost like walk the the, the personal journey hand yeah. in hand with the professional journey mm, um sure. uh, because it's like me being um a, a better human a better father a better husband is is ultimately going to create work that feels yeah. a little bit more connected you know so so for somebody who's like kind of starting out or maybe they're like kind of well into their journey but they haven't really found like they're they're people you know what i mean that kind of sounds like what you're describing is like you know these people like this tribe i've kind of like found and i can relate to how would you um maybe it's not like advice you know i'm not like there's like a an answer or like a magic i don't know like how, how did you find the people you're like i love these people i love working with these people it's it's a catch-22 um because you kind of do need the currency of good work yeah um uh, to get you in the group of people, I guess, that you want to be associated with and yeah, that you sure. want to, um, uh, you know, uh, rub shoulders with. Um, and I think work kind of is th kind of that first entry point. I think often what is maybe difficult is if you don't yet have the work that does that, it can feel to the people that you're trying to kind of connect yeah. with, like you're reaching and you're trying right. and you're desperate. Right. Um, so I think, I mean, it's, I think you just have to do the good work, you know, you just have to try and kind of build work that it's just funny, man. It is currency. Ultimately it is, yeah. you know, and, and it sounds kind of cutthroat, but it is, it you know, either is. You, either if, your, is. if your personality is just insane, you know, I had this kid, this is a kid called Jarrett Nick and he moved to, um, to Australia, um, Ultimately, like I had dinner with him. He just kind of reached out uh, out of the blue and he said, listen, can I have dinner with you? And I said, sure. And he's this American kid from North Carolina. Um, and he, he kind of started up the conversation and said, listen, um, I kind of moved to Newcastle um, so that I can kind of learn from you. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. You moved to to Australia so that you can maybe like get on a project of, or something that I'm doing. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I don't have anything to like offer this kid. This is like completely 
surreal. Like yeah. I don't, I'm a complete disappointment to this guy because I can't really help him, you know. And it's like, man, that's kind of desperate, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That was kind of my initial thought. I was like kind of weirded out by it initially. Anyway, a couple of months later, um, uh, oh, I, that night I tell him like I'm this, I'm working on this film anomaly, and like it was kind of like. Let me see, like, think, let me see what I, if there's something that you could do, because he was asking, and I'm like, yeah. thinking in the back of my mind, like, no ways will I have something for him to do. Anyway, I come to New York, and Jen's our producer, um, I chat to him about it, and he's like, dude, no, we have, like, too many people involved, and um, it's just going to be too crazy, especially if he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, next thing I know, I get a message from Jared, and he's in New York, <laughs> and, um, and he said, oh, he spoke to Jens and Jens let him come out and he's going to help out with the production. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is this is crazy. Like this kid is just kind of following us around. So this kid, Jared, um, starts helping. He starts PAing um, on our like little short film. Um, and he's starting to become super helpful. Uh, we're like, wow, this kid's actually pretty good. And eventually our... Um, uh, DIT um, and uh, AC fall sick on the like last end of the sh the, the nine day shoot, and Jared had to step in because he was the only one who had kind of been working closely as a PA with yeah. uh, our guy. Eventually, this kid just kind of kills it, man. Like he's just ripping, like so helpful, such amazing energy. Um, and he, you know, I go back to Sydney with all the footage. He comes, I get him to basically sync audio and visual for like two oh my weeks. Gosh. He's doing all of that because we didn't do proper syncs. And he's just like super helpful. He eventually, Khalid liked him so much, my DP or the DP that I worked with on this job, liked him so much that Jarrett moves to New York and starts assisting um, Khalid full time. Wow. Um, and you know, moves into New York, has his own space, and he moves to New York before I do even. Um, and he's like starting to work in the industry. And like last year, he did this amazing staff pick music video as a director, looks beautiful, um, with a lot of the crew that helped out on, on Anomaly. And here's a guy who didn't really have work initially, but he was just so uber persistent um, and had a kind of a, a personality that was inviting like it, it wasn't off-putting you know it didn't feel like he was just like a fanboy he was actually just really wanting to do good work and really wanting to connect with people that um that might like see the potential in him and give him an opportunity and and so for me i think there is a way when you are so driven you are so motivated to do good work and it's not just networking you know it's not just like sometimes you can feel the the stench of like people just wanting like to network for the yeah. sake of networking or associate associate for association's sake but he actually wanted to do good work um and i think his story for me is really powerful because there's a kid that kind of just went really he was just really persistent and was yeah. super driven and went really hard at it and kind of you know when people were saying no when we were telling him dude i don't know if this is gonna work he still went at it you know and i love that mentality because that's that's kind of it's a, a little bit my mentality like i don't like people telling me like some things can't be done you know or like you know something is a million dollar budget when i know i can potentially yeah. do it for like ninety ninety thousand. you know so i love seeing that and i kind of 
I, I, I want to empower people, you know. It's not like we were, like, empowered Jared to do it because he did it by his own kind of force, but <laughs> um, I just love that mentality. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, Sal, thanks for jumping on the episode with us. Did you have fun? Was this epi- How was this episode for it was, you? It was great. It was great. Dang it. It's, it's, it's nice that... Um, he it missed. was good. Swing and it a miss. So good. Yes, there it is. <laughs> Nailed it. Have you guys ever thought about calling it great? Mm, that seems no, presumptuous. Good's, good's pretty good. Good's, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Dude, so we uh, we hope you come back on the show if you uh, if you liked it that much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, good luck in the future. Do you have any last parting words? No, not really. I guess it's just refreshing to talk about real things, you know? Like, yeah. I love talking film, but I also think it's nice having conversations about the intersection of film and just life, you know? Because I think, right. I don't know, I think maybe a lot of people hold film as like the holy grail of like, if we can, if I can just work in it, if I can just manage to do it, if I can just manage to be seen and yeah. um, do good work. Um, but I don't think people often talk about the cost, you know, like yeah, what yeah. does it actually cost to like to do it? You know, what does it cost to be like innovative, like um, to kind of push forward? I'm not saying that about my work or our work, but I think real innovation, um, people really trying to push the envelope comes at huge cost, you know, and I'm, I am really trying to figure out like what, what cost am I willing to make? Um, cause I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I want to do amazing films, you know, that wins an Oscar or that's just, um, critically recognized, but I think that comes at a huge cost and hmm. I'm just figuring out that balance, man. <laughs> um, I hear you. So I, I admire people that can do it and I want to have, com- have conversations with people, you know, that. Um, that are incredible artists, but then also have a super healthy and happy family. Cause I don't see it, man. I just don't see it often. And, um, I'm looking for those people that can do it and can give me some advice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's good to talk to you, man. It's, I feel like we've, we text off and on, but it's been a long time that I've just like gotten to sit and chat. So yeah, same, same. It's always good. Love you, boys. Love you too, man. Love you too, buddy. See you soon. See you, bud. Thanks for the chat, boys. Peace. See ya. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs. You can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com. Our show is produced by Wim Wire, and our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hirsch. Also, you can find all of our show notes and other fun stuff at goodthepodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs>